Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today I have the pleasure of being with Peter Briscoe. He is the founder of Compass in Europe and is currently serving on the board of Compass there. And he's written a new book, Financial Discipleship, Investing in Eternity. And folks, this is a great, great book. This is why I wanted to have Peter on to really talk about it. This book was published by Compass Finances God's Way, a ministry uh, many of us are familiar with, but if you're not, you can learn more about them at Compass One, Compass the Number One dot org. Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It's such a pleasure to connect with you and talk about this book. I'm excited about this podcast. Thank you very much, Leo. It's good to be with you. Awesome. Well, before we dive into the book, which I really, really am excited to do, uh, I want to share with our audience some great information about this. But first, let's let's talk about yourself. Where you're from? Uh, what's your connection to Compass? How uh, how did that come about? Uh, why is this topic of financial discipleship so important to you? Tell us about you. Well, Leo, thank you. Um, as you may uh, hear from my uh, English, I'm an Englishman um, <laughs> living in the Netherlands for oh a long time. Back in the 70s, my company moved me from England over to Holland to set up a, a subsidiary of an international chemical company here in Holland. And uh, I've been there ever since. I'm married to a Dutch lady. And we have uh, three girls, three daughters, five, uh, six grandchildren. Wow. And uh, currently, I'm the chair of our local uh, Baptist church here in Leiden, the city of Leiden, where the, the famous painter Rembrandt from uh, Van der Rijn comes from. Uh, so here in Holland. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, my first uh, introduction, basically, to the um, to finances and the, the the desire to get to learn about finances came as a, as a teenager, basically, when I remember sitting, lying in bed one evening and listening to my parents arguing in the in the bedroom next door. And um, my father had lost his job and continued, I think out of the goodness of his heart, continued to buy things for us on credit. Mm-hmm. And uh, having lost his job, he had a lot of problems uh, paying for it. And so at the time, I thought, well, you know, I'm never going to go into debt in my life. And Mm. um, uh, apart from buying a house, I never have done, not even business debt. And uh, the second second major, um, I think, interruption in my life regarding finances was leading a company. I was the CEO of this business when I was 30 years old, back in 1980. And I uh, was working all, all the hours I thought uh, were necessary, working very, very hard. And um, uh, my, my focus was on, on financial gain and my career and being a success in business. Mm-hmm. And I found that success came at a, a big price. One of them was my relationship with my wife and children, which was deteriorating very quickly. The second one was um, my health, which was deteriorating due to stress at the time. And the third one was my relationship with God. I'd never really learned, although I've been a Christian for many years, uh, how to combine my, uh, my faith with uh, my daily practi- practical life in business. 
uh, right at that time, uh, I started reading the book Business by the Book by Larry Paquette, which uh, who right. is the founder of Crown Financial Ministries at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really changed my thinking. And after that, I, I, I thought, well, I, I've got to uh, learn what the Bible has to say about handling money. And so I got into contact with Howard Dayton, also at the time, a founder of Crown Financial Ministries. And from the early 80s, kind of became a student of, um, yeah, um, finances by the book. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that yeah. was my first introduction to um, wanting to find out as a Christian what the Bible has to say about handling money and, uh, and doing business. That's that's great. I, I love I love your story. Uh, every time I hear a story from somebody that's in this space of financial discipleship and stewardship and generosity, uh, there's there's commonalities that that resonate with my story. And that's you know we were doing some certain things our way. We we're facing some kind of problems and issues with that. And then of course God God in His grace opened up our eyes to see things differently. So so appreciate that uh, uh, that connection and that story because it really does resonate with many of us. Uh, when we try to do things our way, we usually end end up uh, <laughs> where we don't need to be, and God's grace always uh, brings us back. So well, I found this uh, so important that um, when I retired from business, um, my last job was the CEO of a space services company. Mm -hmm. Our business delivered um, um, uh, technical services to the European Space Agency, um, coordinating experiments on the International Space Station. I took an early retirement in uh, 2008, and then I became uh, the international VP of uh, Crown Financial Ministries for a couple of years, and in 2012, um, migrated to Compass, Finance is God's Way, mm -hmm. and uh, started the work of Compass in, in Europe. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, Peter, let's, let's dig into this book. Uh, you broke this book into four parts, which I think is very, very helpful to the reader. Tell us about these four parts. Briefly explain each one, and then we'll go deeper into each section. Well, first of all, I start in the book uh, talking about uh, discipleship itself. Uh, what, what actually is a, is a disciple? Mm -hmm. What are the costs of discipleship? Um, you know, discipleship is not easy. I think when Jesus asked us to follow him, um, he's basically asking us to, um, yeah, to our funeral. <laughs> He so said, true. if anyone could, should come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Yeah. So the, the cost of discipleship is quite high. So I talk, uh, first of all, about what is discipleship. Then uh, in the second uh, part, um, why financial discipleship? What if, the two got, what if the two got to do with one another? Mm. Uh, what is the relevance of handling your finances to being a disciple? So I talk about um, um, financial freedom, um, I talk about uh, financial bondage, mm -hmm. and uh, the, yeah, the importance that Jesus placed upon, uh, on finance as an integral part of our, our finances. Somebody has said that finances is like the, the funny bone of, um, of discipleship. You know the funny bone? Is that not yeah. an English term? Yeah. yeah. If, if you hit it there... You feel it throughout your whole body. That's yeah, it's not, it's not funny at all. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, part three, um, I talk about uh, how, how Jesus um, transmitted or taught his disciples um, about discipleship, about following him, using everyday occurrences, um, most of which, a lot of which, have to do with finance and possessions mm -hmm. and money. Yep. So um, I, I take about um, 
15 or so occurrences from the, from the scriptures showing how Jesus in everyday life used what he was seeing and experiencing to teach the disciples very deep lessons on, on discipleship. <clears throat> that was part three. And then part four, I talk about the, 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 the journey of growing as a financial disciple. Uh, what are the kind of steps, if we decide to follow Jesus in financial discipleship, what are the kind of steps that we can expect to, to have to take in order to grow as a financial disciple? Uh, we call it a journey, and it's, it's actually a journey without a destination. Mm. Um, maybe talk about that a little bit later, but the, yeah. the, the destination is, of course, conformity to the life of Christ uh, and, yeah. uh, and becoming Christ-like mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. one day we actually see him and we shall be so else he is. So yeah. that's the ultimate destination of, um, of yeah. the journey of a financial disciple. That's part four of the, of the book. Yeah. Thank you for that overview. As I said, I think it's a great way to unpack this really difficult topic, uh, hard to understand. Um, there's so many things that, uh, that we have to overcome as we face our finances, because it really does reveal many things that are, that are deeper. They're not surface things, they're deep heart things. Uh, and I love the way you laid it out because I think it does, one, define it, then it goes deeper to really talk about how it's connected to discipleship. Then it talks about, well, what did Jesus say about it? You know, the one that we're supposed to follow <laughs> had a lot to say about this. And so you dig into all these different stories and parables to help us see real life examples of how Jesus taught the disciples this vital, vital uh, topic of finances and wealth and resources and, and things uh, that, that he was going to entrust to us, right? Everything we have is given from him for us to steward. And then the last part, of course, the navigation. What do we do with all this information? So I love that we laid that out. So let's dig into that first section. Uh, you started with uh, the first chapter, and the title of that chapter is What is a Disciple? So unpack that for us. Let's, let's talk about, let's get to the root of that. Well, okay. Uh, one of my very few claims to fame is that I have a distant relative called Stuart Briscoe, okay. uh, well known in the United States as a, a, a great author, um, mm. a pastor, okay. and a Bible teacher. Uh, he, gave, he gave a wonderful uh, de definition of a disciple. And he said, a disciple is a person who has an ongoing, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and who gladly shares what he or she has learned with others. Mm. So I thought that was a great definition. I agree. That's, that's very good. Very good. A disciple doesn't keep things for himself, but um, is always willing to share, share with others. Mm -hmm. uh, a disciple, by definition, I think also, is uh, geared to making other disciples. Yeah. So that's kind of, uh, kind of in, that, in that definition. Okay. So how would you def describe the connection between discipleship and being a steward? We are so aware or we've been talking about the word stewardship and, and there's a lot that that word describes about our role uh, as disciples but also as stewards so how do we manage everything that got entrusted to us so make that connection for what's the difference or what's the connection between discipleship and stewards yeah okay well um the lord has given us many many things to use um we we know that the yeah god owns owns everything Mm -hmm. um, the Psalm 24 verse 1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it but also I think and, and, and more 
close to home is that the Lord also owns me. Mm. And he said, you were bought with a price in 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, so glorify God with your body, the verse says, which I think means glorify God with everything that you do, right. and everything that the God, God has given to you. And so um, we are, we are, we, are we have to then manage uh, what the Lord has given to us, because what we have in our possession does not belong to us, really, but it belongs, it belongs to God. And so the Bible says we are, uh, we are stewards. The, um, first of all, that God owns everything. Secondly, because he, he bought us, he redeemed us, which means he bought us back kind of out of the world system to bring us into the kingdom, the kingdom of, of the Lord. And, the, and the, the third part of stewardship is that we, we can be managers of God's um, resources. So I think uh, stewardship is an essential part of, of discipleship. Uh, the, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, 4 uh, uh, that we have to be faithful as, uh, as stewards mm -hmm. of the mysteries of the Lord. And there, there are many mysteries that uh, we be stewards of the gospel. Uh, we are stewards of the mystery of godliness, stewards of the mystery of the church, um, the mystery of the gospel. Mm -hmm. But also, and that intrigues me a lot, the, the Bible says we have to be stewards of uh, the unrighteousness in the world. We have to use or manage uh, in the in the economic system of the world which is inherently unrighteous eh? mm -hmm. jesus said um, um you have to manage this unrighteous wealth in luke right. chapter 16 that's right um and that that god or the force behind money the power behind money that he called mammon so there's kind of a, a power in the world behind money which is seeking to take us away from god and compete for our devotion mm-hmm um, Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and mammon, or God and money. Mm -hmm. So this money power is competing for our devotion. And if we don't learn to steward this power, steward this money, um, then it will take over our devotion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and, really good. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a, a constant struggle which we have to live in the victory which Jesus um, gained over the power of money. Yeah. And that's when stewardship is an integral part of discipleship. Yeah, that's good. So I know that some people, especially those that are not really into this topic or they either don't have the knowledge or the biblical understanding of it, and they might look at a book like this, or even the terminology, financial discipleship, and, and maybe think, how are these connected? I mean, why financial discipleship? Uh, why not just discipleship? I mean, doesn't discipleship cover everything? Jesus didn't say financial discipleship. He just said discipleship. So talk about how finances are connected to being a disciple. Give us some real clear understanding of this, and what are the outcomes of living as a, not just as a disciple, but also a financial disciple? Well, I think, first of all, um, the first outcome must be to know Christ more intimately. We have to grow into an intimate relationship with Jesus. So that must be the first outcome of a, a financial disciple. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we, we, we know him through our, get to know him through our daily lives and experience how the Holy Spirit works through us to help us to manage 
the money and the possessions and the career which he has given to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just know him um, uh, kind of a, in, a, in a head knowledge kind of way, but know him experientially as we learn to trust him uh, for everything that we need to do all that God is asking us to do. So the first one, I think, is to get to know Christ more intimately and experience the proactivity of God through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I think the second outcome that we are looking for is that people become free to serve, free to serve God in, in the church, free to serve in um, uh, the, the, the neighbors, the people that God brings across our paths. Uh, and, and a lot of people are not free to serve right now because they are um, um, burdened down with mm-hmm. several things like debt. Mm-hmm. And I think debt is one thing which really um, uh, stops us from being free to serve because we're worrying about it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember I was sitting in church one Sunday morning and all I could think about was how to pay the bills the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, anxiety and worry takes over our thinking so that we cannot fully engage in the, the work of the church. So we want people to be free to serve, free from worry, uh, free from anxiety, uh, free from debt, uh, so that they can be fully engaged mm-hmm. uh, to serve other people and to serve the church. And uh, that's the first one then, to know Christ more intimately. Second one, be free to serve him. And the third one, we want people to be able to help fund or finance the work of the church which is to go and make disciples in all nations. Eh? Uh, so to help fund the, the great commission that Jesus gave to us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, um, uh, I, yeah, it talks a lot about um, um, giving. We talk a lot about giving. And a lot of, a lot is talked about the tithe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's the right starting point to talk about the tithe or 10%. The right starting point is to talk about the 100%. Mm-hmm. Right. And once we've got in our head that 100% belongs to God, right. then, uh, yeah, we can give far more than 10%. Eh? This, right. If you look at the life of the people in the New Testament, they were giving far more than a tithe. Mm-hmm. You know, the disciples left everything and followed him. Uh, the widow in the temple gave all, her, all that she had to live on. Um, uh, and there are several more instances. So uh, when we are set free to serve, and free from the power of money on our life, then we can become free to be generous mm-hmm. and to grow in generosity. Right. So those three outcomes. Yeah, that's great. Great. Thanks for uh, for unpacking that. I, I also think this leads us into that third section, which it, which is where uh, you titled that "Learning from the Master," and it's where you talk about all those different stories uh, from Scripture, parables, and stories that Jesus used in order to teach his disciples about uh, discipleship and finances. So let's get into that. Share one of your stories. I, there's one that I want to touch on, but I want you to share one that's your favorite from that, uh, from that section. Uh, and let's unpack that a little bit. How did Jesus use these stories to teach his disciples about discipleship? Oh, I don't know if I have a, a favorite. Uh, there, <laughs> I used 15 in the book. There are more. Okay. I like the one about um, uh, the, the, rich, the, the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, from Luke chapter, I think it's eighteen. I think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, came to Jesus to ask about eternal life. You know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So all the disciples were listening 
how Jesus would answer this person who said, you know, I've kept all the commandments from my youth on onwards. Uh, so I think he was uh, feeling that he was very highly qualified to inherit eternal life. Uh, but Jesus turned around. I think the young man uh, went right into a, a brick wall uh, when Jesus said, uh, but there's one thing you lack, you know, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Mm-hmm. And then you will have treasures in heaven. And then follow me. So Jesus um, put his finger right on the, uh, the sore spot of the rich young ruler, um, which was that he was, um, he was under the power of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, okay, become free from that. You ha- to become free, sell all you have and give it to the poor. You know, and he didn't, you know, he didn't really realize that. I think this, this young man was a, was a member of the Sanhedrin, I believe, from, um, from what the rabbis tell us. He was the Pharisee anyway. He ought to have known his scriptures. And the, the proverb says, he who uh, gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him. Mm-hmm. So basically what, he was, what Jesus was asking, you to, asking the young man to do is to enter into a, a kind of a loan with God. <laughs> yeah. By, first of all, uh, getting rid of all that he had so that God then could give him back what God wanted him to have. So, uh, I mean, that may be one of my favorite ones. That's great. One that really resonated with me was the chapter on the waster. That's what you titled, I think it's chapter 18. And you made a statement in that chapter that that I want to highlight. And this is what you wrote. I wanted to actually say this so that everyone can hear this. But you said something like this. This is the father granted the young man. Of course, we're talking about the prodigal son. And you said the father granted the young man's request. We can learn an important lesson here. If we don't say to God, your will be done, then God will say to us, okay, your will be done. I I love that. That was such a clever way to put that, but so, so spot on. So explain what you meant by that, how this correlates to us today. Well, you know, I think that God um, doesn't need to punish punish us. Going our way will be punishment enough. the, uh, the 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 prodigal son of this young man, uh, he refused to wait for for the inheritance which he uh, was due. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the father wasn't even dead yet, um, so it was uh, it was rather uh, very cheeky of him. Yeah, and um, um, he, he then went away and wasted everything they had. You know, one of the one of the key things in managing managing money, managing finance is the being the willingness to wait. I think, and be patient and be content with mm-hmm. what we have. Mm-hmm. Con- contentment is, um, is something which is just not taught about these days. And the, the, uh, the, the, um, the prevailing um, attitude of today is, uh, I want it and I want it now. Yeah. And, and that was his attitude. Uh, so he, uh, he, he got what he wanted um, and went and wasted it. Mm-hmm. And eventually he realized that even the hired workers of his father were better off than he was. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, and so I think that um, uh, financial problems which were exhibited by this young man were an outside indicator of an internal spiritual problem that he had. Mm. Uh, he, was, um, he was selfish. He was uh, greedy. He refused to wait. Um, he uh, did not love his father. He loved uh, money and the high life. And so I think this is a general principle 
that um, that many problems when we when they are exhibited in our life when they come forward are always an indication of something which is in our heart mm -hmm. yeah. and the reason why jesus talks to talks uh, talked such a lot about money is that he said that um, where your treasure is there shall your heart be also matthew mm -hmm. 6 21 right so your money follows your heart now this young man spent his money on wild living so that was the most important thing in his life because mm -hmm. we spend our money on that which we consider the most important and that's why i think jesus wants to um tell us so much about the financial aspects of being a disciple because it directly influences our heart someone said to me when i was a, a young christian he said peter show me your bank balance your bank statement and i'll show you what you're living for mm. yeah. because the, the the way you spend what you spend your money on is a direct reflection of your heart's priorities and he and he said if um if giving to god uh, is not reflected on your bank statement and you you say you're christian you're fooling yourself mm -hmm. your heart is not with god it's with your money so that, that was kind of challenging for me <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can't fake it you see it's uh, it's there black and white how we spend our money is a direct reflection of our heart yeah that's that's spot on and i think that's why and i can say this because personally this is this has been my experience that money was a problem in my life. I, I had a wrong perspective of money. I worshiped money to a degree because I thought it was going to bring some things in my life that I desired. And just like this young man you're describing, I, not everything in my heart was right. I was selfish. I was self-centered. I wanted things my way. And none of those things would have led me to a good end. And yet God, out of his grace, allowed some of my will to be done. And then as I suffered the consequences of that, it was God's grace to come in and say, you've done it the wrong way, but there is a right way. And then he began to teach me that right way, to understand his word on the topic. So I love finances for that reason. A lot of people who listen to our, us talking, especially people that are in this ministry or people watching us that are in this ministry, they think, you guys are just all about money. And like, maybe that's not healthy. It's like, no, it's not that we're about money. It's that money reveals our heart, and we're concerned about our heart and the hearts of others. And so that's why this topic is so important. And uh, this, this section of the book especially does such a great job of revealing these attitudes about money and these, uh, uh, these beliefs uh, that, that lead people to do things. Uh, and, and Jesus was trying to do that. He was trying to teach us how to observe and how to detect these kind of things in our lives so that he could lead us to his will rather than doing our will that would result in all this pain and consequences. So let's move on to this last part. Uh, we're almost out of time, but I want to go to this last section because I think this is an important one, which is navigating this journey of financial discipleship. So we've learned what it is. We learned why it's important. We learned what Jesus said about it. So now what do we do? Give our listeners an overview of this section and how it's helpful uh, to financial discipleship. Okay. Financial discipleship is a journey, and the, the destination is um, um, Christ-likeness. Mm. It's not uh, a destination of becoming financially free, that we, uh, that we have money on the bank, that we have our pension funded, that we have our children's education funded, although those are very important things. But that's not the destination. The destination is Christ-likeness. Mm -hmm. And of course, we, uh, uh, we will never reach that until, uh, until we see him uh, face to face in heaven. Mm -hmm. So until then, we have to uh, navigate our way 
and we need a compass for them. Yeah, to navigate your way through uh, uh, through any kind of landscape, you need a compass mm -hmm. and a map. So the map is the Bible, um, and the compass is uh, teaches you how to navigate the Bible. Mm. And uh, I use the illustration of a physical compass, you know, north, south, east, and west, uh, to do this. So north, where you start, and where you continue to return, is the true north, which never changes. So it's always always points in the same direction, and that's focusing on uh, on God Himself, mm -hmm. focusing on the fact that He owns everything. Uh, he owns me. He bought me, and focusing on um, learning. Um, the biblical financial principles about handling money and how to overcome the power of money. Uh, the, the second uh, point on the compass going, as it were, if you like, if you can picture this kind of going east, um, it's helping, um, uh, helping us to make the right financial decisions and to becoming free from debt, to make a spending plan uh, for our money, uh, so that we can um, uh, uh, learn to be content with what God has given us, to live within our harvest, as it were. We're not spending more than that is coming in. And so we're learning to, uh, to build up a margin, a financial margin that we can bless people with and that we can um, uh, le start learning to give and getting free from debt. That's mm -hmm. kind of the, the second phase in the compass. Uh, the east point as it as it were so going around this compass again we go we get to the south uh, which is um <clears throat> learning to be content with what we have and basically answering a very very important question is how much is enough mm. um to put a finish line on our spending and saying okay to to this point is enough i will not spend any more so having sat down with god and with your spouse and making a spending plan you say okay this is it I'm not, I will not spend any more. And if, if more money should come in, well, you'll not spend it. Uh, but you'll use it for other purposes, maybe for long-term financial planning or for extra giving, extra generosity. So answering this question, how much is enough, and learning to be content is so very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, and then learning how to give, learning how to be more generous, um, because you're learning to build up financial margin. Um, with your with your with your expenses mm -hmm. so margin is the difference between what comes in and what goes out huh? yeah yeah that's good. and then um ca carrying on going back uh, in the direction from west to north again uh, that is basically learning to to build what, what i call an eternity portfolio so what is treasure in heaven how do we build up treasure in heaven and how do we spend our lives and spend our finances to uh, build up the kingdom of God so that more people can find Jesus Christ as their personal savior and, and so that uh, more people can become disciples and so that I can give my time and my finances um, in order to help others to become financial disciples. Mm -hmm. And so multiply this process. And if you, if you take this journey as a, a circle, a compass circle, going from north, east, west, south, east, southwest. Then you go back to north again. You mm -hmm. see, so it's constantly going round and round and round, whereby the financial disciple constantly evaluates himself. Am I on the right track? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Am I constantly um, yeah. looking to the true north? 
Right, because it is a journey. It's not something, like you said at the beginning, it's not something that we will ever reach. It's not a destination that we're to reach. It's just a direction we're to go in. So this journey it just takes you continue to go around and look at each one of these. I love the visual of that because it helps me to look at the most important parts of this journey and so that I can revisit these maybe once a year or once every once in a while, I can look and say, how am I doing with my contentment? Uh, have I set the how much is enough finish line? You know, am I giving enough? Uh, you know, am I managing my finances? Do I have an agreement with my wife? So I love the practicality of that section because everything else that you shared prior to this section, it sets us up for having the information now to make a decision. And now you're very clearly saying, here's how you go about this. And here's the areas you need to make decisions in and you need to stay focused on. So I love that. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much. Uh, we're out of time, but I just some parting thoughts. Uh, I really want to know, uh, I know this writing this book wasn't easy. I know writing a book isn't easy. I'm in the process of trying to do one myself, and it is a, a time-consuming and difficult process. So I appreciate you taking the time and doing it because I believe it'll be a very uh, wonderful benefit for many, many people to come. But I just want to know, what are your hopes of the book? How do you hope people will use it? And uh, what do you hope God will do through this book? Well, my prayer is that uh, people will be uh, helped and encouraged to become a financial disciple and then uh, motivated to help others to become financial disciples. Mm -hmm. You can get a copy from uh, compass1.org, so compass1.org, uh, also available as e-reader from uh, for e Kindles and things from, uh, from Amazon or your, your regular bookstore. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Peter, so much for being with us today. Uh, I know that this book will be a great resource uh, for many of those that are not just serving in this ministry, but those that need to be aware of what financial discipleship is and how it's relevant and important to their discipleship, to their lives. So thank you so much for the effort that you put in putting this book together. It, it's going to be a great resource. Thank you. Thank you so much. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you found today's episode helpful, we encourage you to take three steps. First, get a copy of this book. This financial discipleship book will change the way you see finances and help you understand God's perspective on this vital topic. You can find it anywhere books are sold or directly from compass1.org website. Second, share this episode with someone who will also benefit. And third, subscribe to this podcast so you will get the latest episodes we publish right to your podcast app. While you're there, please rate this podcast. And if you really loved it, leave us a kind review. By doing these things, you will help us spread the word about financial discipleship to more people. And if you want to know more about CSN, you can reach us through our website, christianstewardshipnetwork.com, where you can find much more content and resources, including our annual event, the CSN Annual Forum, which is coming up in just a few weeks on March 2nd and 3rd. We encourage you to go to our website, learn more about the event, and register. Well, thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Stewardship Leader.